0: Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now, up to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I am Brett Boone, and today on the program, I sit down with a two-time World Series champion and NL MVP. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. he's currently a color man with the Detroit Tigers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Kurt Gibson. Gibby, I appreciate you coming on the program. Yeah, good
1: to be on with you. Um, We're getting older, but we still got something to say. And uh, somebody might pick something up and have a, a special moment sometime
0: in their career. You never know. You never know. First off, right off the bat, how are you feeling? I know it's been a challenging time in your life from a health perspective we're going to get into that a little bit uh but how are you feeling right now everything good yeah i feel good
1: um you know you it's all relative it's it's uh, you got to keep things in perspective uh maybe my abilities have changed my attributes have changed but you have to get off your ass you got to get moving it matters and uh, there's quality of life out there for for me, just as there is you, I stay very active. A couple of weeks ago, I was out in Montana, duck hunting in 30 below zero weather. Uh, maybe I shook a little more than I normally did, but I mean, the elements still make you stronger. So I have that opportunity and I and I pursue it on a daily basis. Very active.
0: And I, I, I've been reading up on what you've been going through lately in 2015 for those out for those out there listening to the boom podcast right now, uh, Kirk was diagnosed in 2015 with Parkinson's disease. And and I was reading up on some of your quotes, how it, how it's changed your life a little bit and your perspective. You know, it started, it makes us all, I'm getting there now too. I'm 54 years old. It seemed like just yesterday I was 25 in, in the middle of my career, but we all get a little bit older. And as athletes, We kind of have that Superman mentality that, you know, when we're in our game and we're at our peak, it seems like we're invincible. And all of a sudden, reality hits. And something like this for you a little bit later on in life has hit you and you've had to deal with it.
1: Yeah. uh, You still don't like to lose. Your mentality is still there. But maybe some natural things that you would normally do easily become like my voice. Uh, you, you have to strengthen your voice. You have to learn how to talk again. You have less to, to, to protrude. And, uh, you know, therapy is a must. Uh, you, you have less ability, uh, but you can still get the job done. And um, that, that's what I aim to do and encourage others to do so as well.
0: Uh, you've established the Kurt Gibson Foundation for Parkinson. I'm going to let you a little bit later. I know you have a big golf tournament uh, annually, and, and we'll get into that a little bit more as we go. But um, you've, been, you've embraced this. You've been very public about it. and And as, you know, as athletes, we really we like to have our privacy. How, how, how hard is it for you to give up that privacy and really be public about your journey through Parkinson's? I, I read this and it was interesting. Cause it, it hits home. You know, I have a father that's a little bit old. He's 75 now. Um, well, I played against
1: him.
0: <laughs> yeah. You played against him and, and I played against you. It was the beginning of my career, the end of your career. Uh, you talked about, I didn't want to go to the doctor cause I didn't want to hear what he, what he had to say. And that, and that hits home to me. That's real stuff that I think people really, really, you know, struggle with. You
1: self-evaluate as you start to feel things, as you age. It could just be normal age things. Uh, being an athlete, think of all the swings you took, the abuse you put your body. Um, I've always had the philosophy to go to I blow. When I worked out to get in shape, I was I was crazy. Everything was a race to me. It still is. Um, and uh, you, you know, you, you just, there's just things that start to go on. So you you either try and rehab it or you get ultrasound or ice it or do cold plunges, stretch, um, you know, to get rid of things. But as I kept doing that, eliminating things that it could have been uh, in the end, it, It just, you know, I just realized it was something probably a little different than I had dealt with before. And ultimately, in in April of 2015, I got the news. And, um, you know, first thing I was wondering when I was going to die, how long I had. And you go on from there and, and you realize when you know what it is. You know you're up against. Just like cause he got that curveball, he got the change. Gonna <laughs> throw me the high heater.
0: He's got that know. split. He's got that split, split in his back pocket.
1: Yeah, and I can't see it. I can't see it. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's the shadows. I can't see it. But you know, you just engage it. And uh, the first thing I did was I told everybody um, because trying to hide it and cover up my mannerisms was if you can. You can go back and look at footage. Uh, you know, you, my, my arms all tucked to my side. My neck was all over. I had a, I got thrown out by um, Balkan Bob Davison. He he called Miguel Montero out on a couple of Chuck swings. I went running out there, and you could just see that. I mean, I just continued to push on and ignore. i go mountain biking every day when I lived in Arizona, and I could feel my arm, I'd go to shave, and this this hand would just clutch up I was like, "Damn, what's going on here?" But um, you know eventually you you run out of excuses and you gotta face reality, and <clears throat> that's kind of what we try and do now is to help people what they think something's going on right from the beginning we 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 walk them through it and you eliminate many things. It could have been worse. You know, it's just my new normal, and you have to embrace it. And, you know, I got you down there at second base to put that knee across that bag. and I'm going to have to go through it. i have to chop you in half. You know? That's right. It's no different right. with Parky.
0: <laughs> as a second baseman, and, and this is when Gibby was – Gibby retired in 95. I got to the big leagues in 92, played against him briefly. But uh, there were – as a second baseman, Kirk, I'll tell you this. I wasn't scared of anybody, and I said – if 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 i turn the double play the way i'm supposed to i don't care how hard he comes in he can do whatever he can't get me he can't get me but i'll tell you this i'll tell you this there were a couple guys that you made me just think about for a split second it was you and bo and i thought yeah as tough as i think i am and nobody could flip me at second base i said those two when they were on first base you and bo i thought all right, I, I, I got to make sure I really do this uh, fundamentally <laughs> south. So I'll admit that that you were in the back of my mind just a little bit. Not that much, but a little bit. Uh, you talked about getting checked, and, and you didn't want to get checked at the beginning because you were scared of what you might hear after doing it and having to embrace that and this being a part of your life. In your daily walk, do you have people come up to you and say, Gibby, because of how public you've been with it, uh, you've influenced me, and and I went and got checked, and and thank you for doing that. Do you have any of that interaction on your on your just daily walk uh, walk through life?
1: Oh yeah, we're we're doing a great job of people recognizing, and and you you have to be forthcoming with some things that maybe aren't things that you want to tell people, but um, you, you you do that. Hold on a second, I got a little. Got a little note here. My, my wife just came in in the middle of saying, you know, just, Can I read it to the people in here? We love it. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Show me to clean the garage.
0: I love so, it. So, no, so, say, some, Gibby, some things never change.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I've been married 38, 39 years, and we've been together four years beyond that. So, She's she's not shy. She's coming here and giving my orders. And, and and you know that just brings you to another point. You know the caregivers. You know you you got to hope you you got a good support. All my Michigan State buddies came out. All the baseball family friends. It's incredible that you'd be surprised when things like that happen. The support that you get, and that's another big part of it. And that's beyond. The people who have Parkinson's, uh, the people who have to support me and and help me. I was out in Montana. I was talking about my son can had to tie my boots and help me get my waiters on and stuff. And I hate it. You know, I'm going through the airport. People are standing behind me. I know they're in a hurry, but hey, I'm locked up and I can only do what I can do. I go to the grocery store, and uh, you know, in 1983, I had my worst year in my career. I hit 220, like 227. I hit like 400 in September to hit that, and it was just brutal, and um, you know, I, people were all over me because I sucked, and uh, I knew I did, and I got frustrated, but I'd give it back, you know, they'd say something to me, I'd give it back to, back to them. So at, after 1983, my agent, Doug Baldwin, suggested I go see this guy named Frank Bartonetti in, in Seattle. He's an old Italian guy, and he would help me kind of get my mind straight again so one of the things he gave me was um, he said uh, this is what I want you to do today because I was kind of short with people I keep my head down I just wanted to you know I was intense on the field when I'd get out the field I was still intense and ah didn't work that way so he says here's your assignment I want you to go to the grocery store and go through the line the grocery line pick a nice old lady out right there she, you know she's going to be sweet and when you give her your food and everything you just look up to her and say are you having a nice day today man and uh and, and when she whatever she, said, she said well just i hope your family's doing well I just you're really a sweet lady so i got up there and got in line Man, i couldn't do it i couldn't say it i was such a prick you know i was just so intense it's like the shoulder pads were still on. Right. And so, anyway, this lady looked at me. She said, How's your day going today? So she does it to me, right? And and, and, and I said, Well, I'm having, a, I'm, doing, I'm doing nice. How about you, Gee? Do you have grandkids or whatever? We had a nice conversation. Well, why am I telling this right? Because I'm like that every time now because I'm so damn slow as <laughs> my Parkinson's. I got to dig into my little fanny pack, try and get in there. Everybody gets time because they wear a fanny pack. I'm trying to get my dollar bills out, my change, my credit card. My hands are locked up, so uh, it's just that uh, so every, every time I have to be nice to the ladies at the uh, at the checkout line. I, things have changed for me, boy.
0: It's something you were, yeah. Is it amazing that when we're in our element and we're, you know, so competitive and that having that edge all the time? And that happened to you that day. And you're like, well, my guy, my guy. And so, yeah, he told me that to, I was just supposed to be the one that to 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 be the good guy and say, how you doing today, honey? And, the highest powers took care of it. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a God shot. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, I didn't have the balls to do it. And she just did it to me right in my face. And now, you know, you rethink things. And it's amazing, you know, going through life and, it, and just, the, just, the, the just the subtle go chance. back.
1: One little bit you were talking about, you, you still got that pride. I was just, a, you were peekabooing out of the corner. I just a little bit, a little bit. So, you know, you know, Pat borders, right?
0: Yeah. Pat love. He was Tough a teammate of deals. mine in Seattle. One of my favorite, one of my favorite. Yeah. Guys. yeah. And he's a,
1: he's, he's a, he did a great job back there and he's helped a lot of people. So when I was playing, uh, we were playing against Kansas city and borders was catching and Vince Coleman was in left field and uh, it was the first game of the series and there's a fly ball to the left field and I'm tagging up. So I said, I'm going, it's kind of short, you know, I'm going to run on Coleman. I take off, I'm going and all of a sudden there's borders, you know, he's not going to move. So I started to lower the shoulder and the head came down right at the last second. He, he, he walked up front of the plate and I said, and I, I was ready to, I, nobody had ever stayed, stayed on the plate for me. I think this was in, in the early 90s. So I came up to bat a couple of days later, and Borders says to me, damn, I didn't sleep very good last night. And uh, So what would happen? He said, I was just wondering what it would have been like, you know, him, him staying on the plate. He saying, I just wondered what I... And, and we have that pride and that ego. I got it, you got it, Borders got it yeah you know, he he stepped off the plate. It just it was a smart thing to do, but he didn't want to admit that he stepped off the plate so sure enough, I come around on my third base that game. Here we go. here's another fly ball, the same one, and I go down the line and I start to lower the shoulder borders doesn't move boom. I smoked him, yeah, I smoked him and he, now he knows, he knows what it is, but you and he I, I never, what it you're feels gonna, like are never going to figure it out. But that's <laughs> one of my favorite plays, but I respected Pat Porter's and still do so much just being an opponent and watching. I never really talked to him, and, and I don't even know if he ever rem, even remembers it, but I just knew he was that type of player. He was gritty. He'd stand there on the plate if he had to do it. He'd run the guy over at the plate if he had to do it, but there's so many of uh, the... Guys that I played against in my career, there's so much respect. You know, you 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 get that for your opponents as you play against them and through them, and they react to what you do to them. It it really is a a great game, and you learn so much about people when you when you go through it.
0: Yeah, and you know, there's been changes to our game, and one of those is you can't you can't run the catcher over anymore. You know, and those rules they're so uh object it, it seems like they're subjective it's like i don't even know the rules i don't know if the current catchers know the actual stone cold rule to what we can do and what we can't do i know at second base uh as an example back in back in our generation and and the generation before which is your when you were starting out for so roll uh, when i started it was it was go get your job was to take me out at second base not to hurt me but to, to make it so I couldn't turn a double play. Now as hold a sec- on to it, right. Right. Yeah, as a second baseman, we took so much pride. That's how do you separate yourself as a defender? Well, my separation was when I got Kurt Gibson bearing down on me in the ninth inning and I got to turn this double play, I still turn it. The great ones can still turn it, I think. And now, all of a sudden, you've taken that equation away by having to slide straight in. So now, I laugh when when I'm watching a game or evaluating a game. I said, anybody can turn a double play now. You can bring a left fielder in; he can turn two because nobody, everybody has to slide right in the back. So that aspect of the game, the collisions at home plate, uh, maybe it's because we played in that time, but I really miss that aspect of the game.
1: Yeah, well, we liked it. It was our mentality. But there is one thing about the game that's still good. I heard it is still legal. You could say boo. Yeah. <laughs> you can say boo. I mean, stay and take. that's it. no, just my little weak joke. And the other <laughs> thing is, I know yesterday MLB they had their meetings in New York. Um like they these guys wear that glove with the extension on oh, it.
0: Oh yeah.
1: I said, What is this? what is that? Right. Come on. And I, I know they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna address that. You have a glove on your hand. It's supposed to be protection, but these guys got
0: like a six inch extension on there. Right. they and they're using it to their advantage. And I can't say if I was playing right now, because I wasn't the I wasn't the big base dealer, but I could use an extra four inches being safe and out. I'd probably use it until they tell me I couldn't use it anymore. How many inches? I don't know. I think they're 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 extending the you know they're they're getting them they're getting them in the mail from the, whoever produces them and they're just adding a little material to it. So yeah, you know this I spot know. sometimes works. That's all you need. Yeah.
1: No, I always uh, tried to stay up. I didn't go ahead first. I always slid at the back corner. I slid hard and late, just down up, boom, right there. But you know the catchers, the good the good catchers, man, they throw that ball up to back towards the first base line so they can tag you. On your backside, They're, they don't have to deal
0: with you then. Yeah. Um, this time of year for us, it's we're getting ready for spring training. That's what we did. And, and you're getting ready to, to announce some games at Detroit again. So spring was in the air for us. But you mentioned the shoulder pads. And I just want to uh, uh, mention about your college football career. You went to Michigan State. Uh, you were an All-American. Um, you were drafted by... The Cardinals, I believe, in the seventh round of the NFL draft, your number one pick by Detroit. First of all, did you ever seriously consider football? And secondly, two-part question: I want I want to break down the differences on draft day for Kurt Gibson, NFL and and Major League Baseball.
1: I only thought about playing football. I, I football was always my favorite. See, you you kind of you don't have it straight. I went to Michigan State. I was the last guy they signed that year. I, and I I was a sleeper, a late developer. I mean, I went there at one eighty five running the four six. I, I I came out of there running like a four two three and I was two thirty, two twenty five. So that was the progression, you know, I was just maturing then. But after my junior year of football, my football coach came up and said, Hey, didn't you used to play baseball? And I said, I did, uh, you know, up through high school. He said, I want you to go out for baseball. I said, why? He says, because you're going to be a top five pick. If you do anything in baseball at all, you're going to be a top five pick. So I said, all right. So I went out for baseball. We did the spring thing. went down to Pan American University. (laughs) I I was brutal, man. I was ready to quit because I stuck. I hadn't played in three years. So as a junior... We went down there, and Danny Litwaller, my baseball coach, sat down and said he gave me ten reasons why I shouldn't quit. So I stuck with it. I hit a home run that day. I hit two the next, and you know, so on and so forth. So then, after my junior year of uh, baseball, I played the one year. You know, I I could get drafted. So. Everybody asked me, uh, Mel Didier, and the, the Yankees, Bertie Tebbets, they all came out. They said, if we draft you as a junior, will you sign with us? And I told them all no, except the Tigers, because that is my hometown. So I said, if you let me come back and play my senior year of football, I'll, I'll sign with you, and I won't go to the NFL. I'll give it up. And they did that, so we had a secret deal behind the scenes. Tigers drafted me number one. I was the 11th or 12th pick. Um, And um, I signed with them, went and played 50-some games at A-ball, then came back for my senior year of football with the boys. I wasn't going to leave my boys hanging. I wasn't giving up that senior year of college football for anything. And we went out and kicked butt. We had a great year. Played in the Hula Bowl, played in the Senior Bowl, done now, the Cardinals drafted me on a whim in the seventh round, but I told them, we, we met with them. I said, I'm not going to do it. I made a commitment to the Tigers. Uh, I'm not going to try and have go to, you know, legally get out of that. I, I made up my mind, I'm going to go play baseball. So I really was learning right. how to play baseball um, in the big leagues the Tigers weren't very good and Sparky put me out there. Man, I was brutal. Ugh. I remember one time, I went to lean forward to catch a uh, line drive in the center field, and my spike hooked in the webbing of my glove. <laughs> I was I was rolling around out there. They booed me pretty good for a couple of years, but then things started to turn around a little bit. I started to do some good things, and the rest of it was history, I, I had some very special moments.
0: As much as you loved football,
1: and loved you made it. this,
0: you made this decision to to. Baseball was going to be your future in those early days. When you you mentioned, and and I know exactly what you are talking about. When you were talking about 1983, it, you had to have a big September to hit 227. I had one of those years in in Cincinnati oh, in '96 or '97, and it's like I'm at I'm looking at the ceiling at night, going, I forgot how to hit. It was almost <laughs> to that point where you know I'm 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 starting to twitch, and so I I understand that baseball and how hard it is it'll get you yeah those years the years it is so humble and kirk and and then you know i've had some unbelievable years and great years where but 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 my experience has taught me appreciate these good years because you've been at the bottom and you've been at the top and and it's such a humbling game but but it teaches you so many life lessons um when you were going through those tough times as an early baseball player was your mind wandering going, man, I should have played football? No. No? No, never? I
1: said, I'm going to conquer this because, see, I can remember being in Boston, Gibson, give, give me a ball. Give me a ball. And I just, I just I was looking like, I'm not going to give you – get out of here. And they go, you bum. And they, they, they and it killed me. The, those guys said, whatever you do, don't turn around and talk to these people. Stay focused. So I'd be out in Oakland. Those guys, the misfits, would be out there in the outfield – What's the matter with Gibson? Choir would say he's a bump. They did it. They did the same shit every fucking inning, man. It was unbelievable. It, it, uh,
0: Oakland is no joke. Uh, the fans there yeah. they are the closest to football fans that there are in, at the yeah. Oakland Coliseum.
1: So anyway, I mean, I'd be over one of the strikeout, and they'd get all over me. Over two, over three, over four. I always had this feeling inside of me, I'm going to get your ass when it counts. And you know, all of a sudden it'd be all for 5 and I wouldn't have a clue what was going up there. But I developed this technique that was taught to me about when you fail, you, tell your, you don't tell yourself you suck. You just, you tell yourself it's not like you. Then you think about how you felt when you succeeded. You, you, you don't let that in. So when it was when I was all for five or all for six with three Ks and a couple of pop-outs, I knew I, I had confidence. I was gonna. So there's the game winner. We all said, "Whoop!" I just come across the plate and those guys that are all dogging me. I didn't have to say anything. I got him. And you know, Goose Gossiers was my first at bat in the big leagues. He abused me. He abused me my whole career, except when in San Diego we were playing him in '84. He refused to walk me. You got and it I've been working my whole life. I said, "You bastard, you got good <laughs> shit, and you own me, but I'm going to get you when it counts." And here it is, and boom! So Grant I mean, slam. that's just you. That's the way. it doesn't work for just it worked for me. It works for you. and It works for everybody listening. Like control you what you let in, because that this that 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 negative pessimistic attitude will kick your rear end, man it, it's gonna it's gonna guarantee a failure and I just learned how to how to get i you know i was getting ready to give a talk to some people here people say it different ways you know they they have different ways of to say it but what's more important being positive or not being pessimistic yeah and positive. I can tell you no, the positive. You're you're better off by not being pessimistic. Stop it before it gets in, because if you if you let it get in, your subconscious it takes everything. You know, it it, it and then you, you get in the comfort zone and it'll keep you comfortable. So stop the negative. Then you don't have to waste energy your positive energy to overcome the negative, so to say. But you know, there's just certain true, tried and true techniques that work. Uh, it so, it's easy if you choose to do it. If if you don't, then it's going to be a little bit harder. But you're going to see how tough you are. And, you know, I, you know the mental game of baseball is incredible. The mental game of life is incredible. I got four kids, a couple grandkids. Man, that's a riot. Enjoy it while you can.
0: You mentioned the Detroit home run. It's a famous clip when Sparky's yelling at you, he don't want to walk you. World Series, nineteen eighty four, and I've got some buddies on that team still to this day. Uh, Tiger Tram, he coached, he coached me in in San Diego. Uh, Lance Parrish, really, yeah,
1: he's my best friend in baseball, Tram.
0: Yeah, and Lance Parrish, a real close family friend, has been for a lot of years.
1: Oh yeah, uh, so hey, I got real.
0: I got some buddies, and I got I I, I love that eighty four uh, Detroit that Detroit Tiger team and the and the personnel you had. Um, playing that 84 series playing for Sparky now transfer yourself into 88 the Dodger World Series champion you were the MVP that year playing for Tommy Lasorda what were the differences in the in the dynamic of those two ball clubs
1: well my role was different we were young and up and coming with the tigers we were all built together sparky was a very good manager he was Cut and dry. He was disciplined. You were disciplined. Talked to you about being professional. I mean, he was he was on it. Tommy he he was like he Tommy was a different type of motivator in that you know. And Tommy it was, it was a lot more funny stuff. Like right? like like we were say we were running PFPs and we'd roll a ball to Tommy Brookins at third base. Then he'd throw out the first on a bump play like. If he threw it away, nobody was laughing in Detroit, okay? Like, Sparky's like, he'd walk over there and say, you pick the ball up, you get a grip, you make sure you throw the damn ball over there, okay? Or if you're an outfielder, you will never, ever, he, he wiggled his finger, ever pick that ball up on the wall in the outfield twice. You want to know why? Because that's another base, that's another run. You will get the ball to Mr. Whitaker, or to Mr. Trammell, I'll have them at a hundred feet. And 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 we were in we were in the Dodgers camp. Pedro Guerrero picked the ball up three times and threw it in right field. Everybody's laughing, but I, I I was like, you know, that turned into the whole blow up I had over the eye black because I couldn't take it. I went in there and it was they were screwing around so much. It's like man, we can't even roll a ball to somebody. We're in trouble. <laughs> I told the man. I had a team meeting. I told him, you guys are horseshit, man. No wonder you're fourth or fifth place. But I got to tell you a story before I, before I forget, because I, I got this great uh, moment that I remember with your mom and your dad. We had right. that Nike. The, had these Nike pro trips, okay, after the Nike year. Nike trips, drugs, yep. The all-star trips, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I was the only guy ever to go. I think it wasn't an all-star. But I begged out of two all-star games for that. That's another story. But when we go there, you know Bill Frechette,
0: right? Bill Frechette. I, I went uh I went on about three or four later in my career. So I know exactly yeah. the dynamic. These are these are cool trips. Go ahead. Bill Frechette. Oh, yeah.
1: Guys for those of you around.
0: watching the for those of you listening to the Boom Podcast right now, Bill Frechette, he's kind of the head of the Nike division for the baseball side. And he's the one that deals with all of us, gets us our shoes, gets our contract. But he's the top dog on the Nike trip. All right, Kirk, take it from there.
1: Yeah, and he'd, he'd stand up at dinner. you go out for dinner, and he'd tap this thing, and he'd go, ding, 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 and he'd make some announcements, right? Well, there was a tradition, because Frichette had a, his birthday always fell on the trip. So they had this tradition of taking the cake, okay, his cake, and smashing it over the rookie's head. Well, I was the rookie, okay? So I'm sitting there, I, I was telling these guys, Oh, I said, hey, I had heard about some rookie things. I said, just wanted to let you know, I'm going to get more than even, okay? So, sure <laughs> enough, we were out for luncheon one day, and Steve Carlton and Ron Say and those guys, they came over and tried to get me with the cake, and I chased them down. But it, it was it all was, oh, good fun. But to, to get-ahead part, I found out, I said, I go, I said, I'm gonna find out who really started this, okay? Well it comes it comes out to be, and in the end, it's this guy, Jim Sunberg, okay? Yeah. So I got I got Carlton Fist to squeal on who it was. He said, Sunberg, he starts the whole thing. I said, Okay. So we go into dinner when there's tables. there's a table here, and right behind me is your mom, your dad, and Sunberg's there, okay? And I gave shed a note when he did his little announcements, and on the note it said he said I told him just say silent Death's about to hit. Well, I'd st- stuck on Sunberg's plate a skull and crossbones that says silent death. going to hit you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so he came in and he's looking at it right. And I told the maitre d. When you put those ten things over the top of the the uh, the dinners to keep warm, right? I said just have a couple. You know, plastic plates there full of whipped cream and shaving cream. So sure enough, they brought me my 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 meal, and here comes the guy walking. He sets in front of me. Freshette stands up. Ding, 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 ding. We got a few announcements to make. He makes the announcements, and he goes. And now, a silent death's going to strike. I turn around and I smash Sunberg with the shaving cream. Right, it went all over the whole table. You mom, I'll never forget your mom. She looked and she said, "Wow, you're a rookie and you did that." And my, <laughs> my my wife at the time, she's she's going, like, "Don't do it, don't do it." I go, well, "I'm going to do it. I would do it." I wonder if she remembers that. How she did said, I can't? Go ahead. He they were pissed though. I mean, Sonny was pissed. <laughs> but I said, "Hey, man, you engaged it. You didn't make the rules, dude. You it it goes back to you. You're secretly staging this now." To this day, Carlton Fiskman throwing up Sunberg under the bus. I don't know, but that's how it goes, right, man?
0: That's right. <laughs> if you can back it up, go ahead, and do it. So you said Sunberg was pissed. Did my dad say anything?
1: Well, I think everybody looked; they were amazed because I mean we were all dressed up, right. and then on that same trip, before before that, Wade Boggs was on the trip, and we were we'd go places in these big vans, right? So Boggs is sitting in the back, and he, he likes, you know, he has a few, and, and he gets really talkative. <laughs> so he starts chirping me. He started to call me uh, He-Man. And and He-Man this, He-Man that. And, you know, again, I was I, I was a, just right out of football. I was like, hey, Wade, you know, it's not funny. He kept doing it to me. I said, you know, is that kind of like your last warning? So he said, oh, He-Man's pissed. So I reached behind. And I grabbed him from around the neck, like UFC style, right—the reverse choke hold. I pulled him into my 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 side, right here. He's—I you know, could feel his neck cracking. So, what do you think he did? He bit me. He bit, no. He was hurt. Yeah, he bit me. I, so, you guys I, are
0: like—you guys are like really fighting on the Nike trip.
1: Well, we weren't really fighting. I was just pulling him down. I sh- I shut him up. I choked him off a little bit, and, he, and I said, "You know what?" You better stay away from me, Wade. I'll give you a break. So, (laughs) this, I'll go down the line one more time. Now I'm doing TV. I'm retired with Josh Lewin, and he gets into this thing because, well, Boggs and I went up hunting and we got stuck in a cloud up in Maui. We had to sit there with me and Boggs. I'm thinking of all the people that get stuck with, with Wade Boggs. So, now. He's playing and Josh Lewin kinda of baited me about would you take Boggs first or would you know, would you take Rich Gabman first? But he's baiting me. So I started getting into Boggs a little bit, just having some fun with him and uh, you know, kinda of in in uh, that we'd had some scraps or whatever. So the next day I was standing in our dugout and Wade came out to take his uh his balls, his ground balls and he was doing his stuff and he looked at me he said, Gibby, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, come on over and so he comes over, he goes, you know I I think I owe you an apology I'm like, for what? he goes, well, remember when I bit you? I said, yeah, I do he says, well, I want to apologize for that, I said, good thanks, I accept your apology go back out there, I'm going to bury your ass on TV again tonight (laughs) it was all good fun yeah, okay. I, you know, I that's just the kind of guy I was always scrapping, wrestling around people, keeping it inter- energetic, challenging people. And you know, hey, look at I got I got I got knocked down a few times myself. I wasn't I wasn't Hercules, but you know, I did push the issue uh and, and we had some fun. I want I wonder if your mom when I see you next time you tell me if she's, she remembers Remember, I, I definitely will. I'm gonna see
0: shit. I'm gonna see mom tomorrow. I'm gonna bring up I'm gonna bring up this, this talk um all right. we'll talk about the homer and i got a good story for you the home run in in uh la by the way is there ever a day go by where they don't talk to you about the the dodger home run is there a day in your life where somebody doesn't it's bring it
1: up now it's it's pretty it's pretty often but i mean you got to be like 50 years old to remember it i mean it's, it's a long time yeah. ago well still
0: still one still one of the big ones I got a story for you so I'm at USC it's 88 uh I got I got drafted in 1990 so I'm at USc playing baseball last rod minute Dato. nope dado was dado left the year I went there and it was uh Gillespie was my coach so date rod okay. was still around and he had a lot of influence at USc yes but it was Gillespie so I'm sitting there and my little brother, Aaron, at the time, he's in high school, and he comes up to visit me at, at USC, and we're sitting around, I'm thinking, you know, we should go to the World Series game tonight. So I make a phone call. I get a hold of Lasorda. He does me a favor. He goes, so I can get you two tickets. I don't know where they're going to be. They're not going to be probably be any good. What do I care? I'm, I'm 18 years old. I'm a college freshman you're or well, sophomore. So me and Aaron and myself, I jump on my scooter, From USC campus, and this thing isn't street legal, I drive my scooter because of the traffic. I'll be able to get to Dodger Stadium easier on back roads through the scooter than driving a car. So me me and Aaron get on the scooter. We head to Dodger Stadium. I get my tickets, and Tommy wasn't wasn't shit. He he told me, Brett, these might not be any good seats. I I couldn't expect much. It was the day of the game. They are right there. No, no, no. These were in right field. As high up as you could walk, top, top level, like my seat, I could look over the railing and w- look into the, you know, where we used to park when we'd come in and right field. Yeah. I could see the parking lot. So I was in the upper deck, right? But I'm thinking, you know what? We're here. So the game's going That's cool, on. Man. So that, Well, I, the, the story gets better because I, I would assume if everybody that said they were at that game, uh, they, they would have had to be a million people in the crowd. So it's the seventh inning, and I tell Aaron, I said, you know, we should get home and beat the traffic. <laughs> so I miss your homer. I get back my wife. I get back <laughs> to my dorm room and you're running around the bases. But Aaron and me, we, we got that story for the rest. I could say I was at the game. I saw the Homer, because I did, but I saw it on TV. We left early. Take me, take me through. What did I miss? What did I miss? Take me through that whole thing not that you haven't done it a hundred times
1: yeah no you know I was hurting I I used to always think that I could overcome anything but I I hurt got hurt in the the Mets series I got a bunch of injections and I went to I played in game seven against them and I hurt my other knee because it was kind of awkward running because my my left leg was hurting and I took a weird slide and I twisted my knee on my right side. So when I got up the next morning, like I walked across the floor, I said, oh, I can deal with that. Then I started jogging, I go, Oh boy. So they gave me a bunch of injections. I pretty much sat inside. I could barely walk. And um I was sitting there with Oral in the training room. You know, the tr- you know, the pitchers are always coming through. And it's just as the game went unfolded, they get went up four nothing. We get four one, four two, four three. It's me, Dave Anderson and Mike Davis were left in the pitchers. And I just, you know, I just said, man, I just, I just told Mitch, go get Tommy and get the tee set up. I just, I just was the moment was there. I said, man, I've been here all year. I, I, I gotta, I gotta fight. I didn't think about failing. You know, I just said, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do it. So I went and got dressed, hit some balls off the tee. Tommy comes, M- Mitch pulls the bat boy saying, Tommy, I can hear him and, and I can hear, you know, here, you can hear Tommy screaming, GD, Mitch, I got an effing ball game right here. He's And he's like, It's Gibby. He wants to talk to you. Oh, <laughs> Tommy comes waddling up the thing there. I said, Hit Davis eighth. I'll hit with the pitcher. He goes, All right, you stay up here. I don't want him to see it. You. you stay up here. So I stayed up there for a little bit. But after a while, I said, Man, I don't care. I'm going to be, because he didn't want them to think that I could pinch hit. I went and sat out next to Soch and those guys. And, you know, it was just like Dennis, a great competitor. I've considered myself up to the moment. And this is what it was all about. If you wanted to ever have one at bat in the big leagues, that would be it. Right. The team had been extremely resilient over everybody that came at us. We weren't picked to do anything. We were up against the A's. I went up there and. You know, I mean, I had no swing. I Strike one, strike two. Then, I don't know how you you thought. When I got two strikes, I declared full emergency. I just say this is a frickin' emergency, man. And I just shortened up, and I said, you're not striking me out. And it got to that, but then we get to one, two, and then I remember Mel Didier, our stout, saying, he told me, Hey, partner, as sure soon as I'm standing here breathing, you get 3-2, he's going to throw you a 3-2 backdoor slider. I've seen him do it. i followed this boy his whole career. Now, Peter Gammons and some of the guys dispelled that, but I, can't, I mean, I've, I've got the books. And also I know is I stepped out of there when it was 3-2, and I said to myself, partner, as sure as you're standing here breathing, you can see a 3-2 backdoor slider. And I stepped in, he threw it, and I took an ugly-ass swing at it. And there she goes. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I. This is not even a good swing, but it, it just had a good, it, it, good it, it wrist was just on it. That that spin, man.
0: Whoop. You're right. I I know exactly what you're talking about. That two strike, because especially the last four or five years of my career, I really had that two strike mentality. And I tell the kids today, I said, two strikes you've got to do something to trick your brain and to know it's battle time. And we can't take that nasty slider on the corner and go back to the dugout and yell at the umpire. Too so we have, to do, yes. we have to do something to get our brain in that battle mode. For me, I used to spread out and I'd choke up on my bat about an inch. And that, to me, automatically meant I'm in that zone where we're battling. And once in a while, I did the last thing I thought with two strikes ever was hitting a home run. But the ones that I did hit with two strikes, it was kind of like, whoa, where did that come from? And it, just like you explained it, it wasn't the prettiest swing, but it just, you got it and it's backspinning and you're just running around first going, I don't know how the hell that just happened, but it happened.
1: Yeah, well, you let it get deep. Like I used to, I used to take my hands, I put them right here on my shoulder, around right on my chest and my shoulder. And I just, instead of taking a step, I just kind of lean. And then, you know, that ball on the outside corner straight to it, follow it off. I got really good at following the ball, right. Ball inside. Just keep them in, keep them in. mistake. Whoops. Gotcha. I mean, you're just looking for them to hang one. I mean, look at so many guys had so much success against me in my career. The least I could do is get them now and then, you know,
0: and the three, two backdoor slider. What'd you tell Didier?
1: <laughs> I gave him a kiss.
0: Yeah, that that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, being a color guy for the Tigers now. Uh you've been a player, you've been a coach, you were manager of the year 2011 for the Diamondbacks um up in the booth Is there anything off limits for you? Is there a line or or do you just call it as you see it?
1: Yeah, I, I I mean I'm I'm fair about it. Um the only thing I've ever really critical at is I think there's Effort or preparation. I think that you have to prepare. Um, There are things that don't need to be said. It it just goes. You have to measure it in the moment, you know. And I'm an extremely positive person. I want to see people do well. I want to point things out so people understand the game. Um, And there's people that some people don't like me. You know, my voice. I have to tell myself to keep my 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 voice inflection up because if I don't, you know, when you have Parkinson's, you become very monotone. But um, yeah, I always go down there. uh, If I say something, I go down there and tell the guy what I said or how I said or give him an opportunity to talk to me. But hey, you know, it it is what it is. It's like when I was a manager, the first thing I said was get comfortable being uncomfortable because, you know, some of these things that people, you're not supposed to say, whatever uh, I, I'm going to be totally transparent, you know, and I'll wear it. I'll stick up for every one of you guys. And, you know, as a manager, you're trying to put guys in positions to succeed. And I'll take the bullet. I mean, you know, some people, you get in circles on bad teams. They're so worried about fixing blame to somebody else. It is, I found it easier just to somehow put it on me. So they could relax and we could play ball. You know, Sparky used to, when I was young one day, he'd always tell me, you know, if you got something on your mind. You just come in and shut the door and we can talk. So I said, all right, you know, that, that was pretty good. Well, one day we had lost six in a row. And Sparky, we had a doubleheader. And I just came through and Sparky said, big boy, come on in here. So I go cruising in there. And he says, can you take it? I said, take what? He said, can you take it? I said, well, whatever taking it is, yeah, I can take it. He said, well, the boy, he put his hands up like he got the tight ass. He goes, the boys are a little tight right now. We've lost six in a row. The media will be in here in about eight minutes. Why don't you go tear into one of them? Because they're going to be all over your ass, and the rest of the boys can relax. I said, okay. So here they come in there, and this guy's name is Brian Bragg. He was a nice guy, and I started in on Brian Bragg. He had written something about Lance. Maybe he needed more of a rest and stuff. And I laid into him, how can you, have you ever put the catching gear on? That guy takes great pride. I was screaming. I mean, just out of nowhere. It kind of, the, if you were in, a, in the clubhouse, you'd look around, what's wrong with Gibby, man? You know, <laughs> and I was going at it. They all were all over me, man. And if we wouldn't have wanted to win five or six in a row, Sparky, he was a master like that, and then and you got to you got to do that. And then when he he didn't play me one day, we were in Seattle, and uh, I was pissed. And so I, you have to go out when you're not playing, you go out to the line and you do your little sprints, right? So I'm doing my sprints, and who comes running over in front of me? Sparky. He goes, if I was a DB, I would press, I'd press coverage you. I said, Sparky, I told you a hundred times, don't ever do that. He goes, come on, big boy. So my brother-in-law, Dave Rosen, was over there. I go, Rosie, said hut. So he goes, set hut. So I run out. I t- look over to the right shoulder. and Sparky acts like he's going to jump the route. I turn back to the left and smoke him. It just <laughs> killed him. His glasses came off. He's like, God dang it. He says, that son of a bitch is crazy," he told Rosie. I said, "Get out of here." He said, and so he later told me before he died. He says, "You know why I did that, don't you?" I said, "No." He goes, "Because I thought I was losing you. I didn't want to lose you." Okay, so you know, you got to as a manager, you got to do that. So when I was a manager of the Diamondbacks, I'm going to be. I'm going to take Sparky's advice. I had a pitcher. He. We wanted to throw the ball inside. We couldn't get it inside. We wouldn't get it inside. He'd leave it out over the plate. You know what happens when that happens, right? Guys are just teeing it off on him. So sure enough, we're out for BP and Brandon Webb and J.J. Putz and Danny Heron, they're standing out there in left field. I go, hey, Enright's in there throwing his his, uh, bullpen right now. I'm going to go in there and we're going to work on him throwing the ball inside. I'm going to tell him to drill me. How many of you guys think he'll do it? And I, I don't remember. I think Karen says, eh, he'll hit you or whatever like that. So I go in there. They're practicing changeups. They're throwing change-ups. I go, what are you guys working on? And uh, Mel Stolov, my junior, goes, the change-up. I go, let's work on some fastballs inside. And so I, I used to always stand in there anyway. So I get in there. i he's the first one. I said, throw it on in there, outside corner. I go, come on, get it in there, outside corner. I step out. I go. You're never going to have another manager do this. I go. Just, would you plug me? Hit me right in the ribs, okay? I mean, I'm thinking, Sparky, you got to do what you got to do, man. You got to make the team better. So I, 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 he goes, really? I go, yeah. I go, I can take it. Don't worry. I said, I'll just turn into it. You don't throw hard enough. So he winds up. What do you think he did?
0: Outside corner.
1: Uh, foot outside. <laughs> I, said, I told Sparky. Spot- I told Kevin Towers, our GM, I said, "Get him out of here, man. He can't get the ball in, man."
0: That sounds like I something.
1: That was such a riot. I mean, I'm glad he didn't hit me, but I was ready to take it.
0: That sounds like something. It, the The fact that you said right what he didn't drill you, get him out of here. <laughs> that's something. My told, my my skipper, yeah, Lou, I, I, that's what Lou Pinello <laughs> would say. Get him out of here.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I said, get him out of here. He's got to go. He's got to be able to get that ball in. You know.
0: Yeah but it was
1: funny stuff kevin towers how about him the late kevin towers
0: yeah
1: it was his uh, his anniversary of his passing the other day i talked to his wife kelly i mean you play for k you knew kt well i played
0: one year in san diego and kt yeah he was my general manager there boach was my skipper so yeah i remember kt those uh, guys are
1: boy, they're a trip man they are so much fun yeah they were in (laughs) Yeah, Boach, How big is his head? It's like oh. a nine,
0: it's size nine. All his limbs, his hands are huge. There's three hands that that still engulf me. Boach, Johnny Bench, and Bobby Cox—they got the biggest hands in the world. And then look at his feet, <laughs> his his feet, his ankles, and his—he's unbelievable. He's. Huge. I
1: got some stories I can't tell about those two. I mean, we had so much fun. Yeah, but
0: like one of, one of the greats, man, Boach.
1: Yeah, yeah, KT. Had uh we were in spring training. He had Boch, Buddy, and myself, and uh, and his tailor over to his house in in uh, in Scottsdale for some wine. Well, really, what he was trying to do was all buy suits off. His name is Ronnie, uh, his his tailor. So you know, we started having some wine and stuff, and so Boach and and Buddy Black started, to, you know, picking on me. They were you know, two on one of me or whatever. He said, oh, we had your signs. And, this, and I said, no. And I told him what his signs were. He, he started <laughs> laughing. But we had a nice long evening. But KT loved his boys. Boy, if you're one of his boys, he was the Silver Fox. He was unbelievable, boy. He I was. loved that guy. I wish he was still around. He was great for the game of baseball.
0: Well, Kirk Gibson, uh this has been a pleasure, man. It's been very cool. I appreciate you coming on uh the program. Oh, before I leave, uh tell everybody uh the Kirk Gibson Foundation for Parkinson where they can reach out and where's the golf tour? I think it's in Rochester Hills. Is it Wingate yeah, well, Country Club and when is it?
1: It's August 19th. Just go okay. to the website kirkgibsonfoundation.org and uh, all my foundation stuff is on there. Right now, we're in the middle of raising thirty million dollars for um, we're building a Parkinson Center. It's basically a place where people with Parkinsons can go. They have all kind of exercises. They can educate for the caregivers what foods to eat. It's that's we got to raise thirty million dollars for ten years. I mean, I know everybody's rolling their eyes, but if you got to change, booty. Yeah. throw it our way.
0: Very cool, the, man. The,
1: the golf tournament, it's a, it's a riot. It has some, some great people there. You never know who's going to show up. But uh, we go there, and then we take a couple of days and go to northern Michigan after that. And it's called the Afterglow. So we go there after, and you're glowing a bit. We have a good time. We have a good time, and we film guys about, and we look at the progression, and we we, we get smart. Um, and we get supportive, and we come together as a team, you know, not just to help me, it's to help you and the people you know. If anybody has anybody that they know that has Parkinson's that's struggling, write a note into the contact page on org. I promise you I'll call them. I'll talk to them. And I'll, I'll help them get on track. They can have a good, productive quality of life. It's waiting for you. Go get it, you know. I mean, it's just, don't, don't give, don't give me excuses. Um, you know, use your energy to get off your ass, get move, get moving and have a good time. I mean, <clears throat> I got Parkinson's. I got a little bit of energy. We've been on there for 55 minutes and 11 seconds and it? we're just getting rolling.
0: We're just getting, this is, this is awesome. And, and it's, <clears throat> you know, all the things you've done in your life and, and, uh, you know, now you're giving back and you're helping other people and you're so active. I think it's a it's a great inspiration to a lot of people out there. So uh, I appreciate you yeah. sharing that. I appreciate you sharing that with us and and uh, go to Kirk's webpage and and get that handled. Uh, yeah,
1: Kirk Kirk, foundation.org And, you know, I spoke to uh, Parkinson's uh, um, charity out there in San Diego a couple of times. There's one there locally to you guys as well. Very Booney,
0: cool. good talking to you. Gibby, I appreciate it, man. And uh, I'll be, uh, if I run into I might run into you this year. You never know, but I'll be listening to you on the, on the simulcast in Detroit. Hopefully, you guys are a little bit better this year. Uh,
1: and I think the Tigers got a chance to win the division, to be honest yep. with you. Very They're cool. getting closer. Here they go. Here we go. Here,
0: Here we, we go. go. Here we go. For all you out there watching the Boone Podcast from now on YouTube or listening, I appreciate you tuning in.